Hey, hey, it's Beth. Welcome back to So I Got Divorced. This week, I'm so excited to bring you an interview that I did with my friend Meg, and she shares about her divorce story. And the interesting thing about her story is that she's still in the middle of it. So she's still going through the divorce process, but like I, you'll hear in the interview that I like sharing these stories because it is a way for us to just know that we're not alone in the process and that everyone's story is so different, but I think there are a lot of things that we all go through while we're going through this process that make it so it's super relatable. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and here it is. Hey Meg, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have you here on the podcast is because I've been really interested in interviewing women who have gone through divorce and have just been through the process and all the things, because I feel like in sharing our stories with each other and with more people that it becomes not as big of a deal and not something that we have to like hide. And so I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. That's great. Thank you. I completely agree with you. I think um, it's something that I have a lot of shame around, but I wish I didn't and I don't want to, but I think a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It was something that I had shame around. I don't really think I do anymore, but it's something that's kind of like faded a little bit, but I think the more that I talk about it, the, the more comfortable I am with it. Yeah. That makes sense completely. Yeah. So tell us more about you. <laughs> well, um, I find it a little bit ironic to be on your podcast because I'm not actually divorced yet. Um, the, officially, there is paperwork filed, um, but I'm in the process still. So that's kind of, I guess, maybe that's a unique um point of view to bring to the situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you want to tell us like uh, more about like your marriage, like your relationship or like how long were you married? And then, no. Yeah. So I've been married for, um, well, my older son is 13 and I'm pretty sure that we conceived him on our wedding night. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, like right around 15, 14 or 15 years. Um, and it's been pretty rocky from the beginning. And I do, um, I think a good thing to inform the, the story is that I'm 99.9% positive that my uh, husband has ADHD, adult ADHD, and uh, my older son as well. And uh, my younger son is autistic. And um, so at any rate, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning. So I've, I've been married about 15 years. Uh, it's, all, it's all been pretty rocky. It's been one of those things where um, I know people talk about red flags. <laughs> and and running right over them while they're slapping you in the forehead <laughs> yep. um it's been like that <laughs> 
So uh, I, I, my parents were divorced um, when I was five. And so it was something that I kind of told myself I wasn't allowed to consider for a long time. I just thought not doing that to my kids. And uh, yeah, so that, that's, <laughs> that's, I really reversed on that because I think at some point you have to ask yourself, you know, what your quality of life is and how that's affecting your kids. Um, and just their quality of life too, with being in an environment with two people that are not positive influences for each other. Yeah. So that's really interesting that you had that experience of having parents that were divorced and then you were like, no, I feel like that's not what I want. So what really like changed for you? Gosh, I think it was just time and having the same, well, it was time and having the same uh, arguments and the same conflict over and over. But actually, um, now that you say that, I, so I'll go back to um, a little bit of story. So right when COVID hit in 2020, at the beginning, um, I, I was super um, anxious uh, because of COVID, but also because in that, that January before the March, the, things got really bad. My older son, who has a bunch of chronic health problems, came down with a, an autoimmune blood disorder and was really critically ill and had to be in the hospital. And um, he's not been in the hospital before for other things at other times. And it was just kind of one more thing on top of all the things. And he has severe food allergies. So I had to be at the hospital with him and I had to, um, he can't eat any of the food at the hospital. And so it's all contaminated with all his allergens. And so like we had to be like, you know, driving over food from home and, and uh, thank God we lived close to the hospital. But anyways, it was a really, really stressful, scary experience um, with that. And so he was actually already home from school because he couldn't go back to school. And um, so he got to go back to school for two days before they shut down for COVID. And then there was COVID. And so I was already a stay-at-home mom and the kids, I had just put my younger one in preschool and um, I had just, I had my very first counseling appointment that day uh, of that they shut down school. And I was, um, had so much anxiety and so much depression. And I really had been thinking about like ending it. Like, I was like, I don't want to be around anymore. Like, I don't want to, you know, I can't it's too painful. Um, it's too much. And so because I had those thoughts, like I knew my mom is a counselor. And so I was like, I just, I need, I really just need to see somebody. And I have in the past at different times. So I went to my very first counseling appointment ever. And I get the call as I'm walking and I cry and she's nodding. And, and she's like, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to help you. It's going to, things are going to get better. Um, and I leave it and I get a call on my way out, like come pick up your kids. We're, you know, we're closing school. <laughs> and so I never got to go back to counseling in person and um yeah and from that day forward so I was home with my kids in a really bad mental state and then I start to get sick about two months later so um I wake up one morning and I well it's kind of a long story I ended up in the ER because I thought I had a urinary tract infection <laughs> 
and they sent me home with some antibiotics. I took them. I, uh, the first day I woke up the next day with chest pain and shortness of breath. They thought maybe I had COVID, um, but it got worse and worse instead of better over time. And I've been to like, so I spent that whole summer uh, from, from May until July seeing like every doctor, every specialist. I was in and out of the ER because I felt like I couldn't breathe and I couldn't be up and around. And I ended up just completely like bedridden and having no idea what was wrong with me. Then we ended up, um, I had a bunch of tests. There were things wrong, like, you know, cardiac problems and things like that. We had a bunch of, uh, so I started reading, I started Googling and ended up looking up, um, mold toxicity. And we ended up testing the house and we ended up finding out that the house had hugely high levels of um, super toxic mold. And it turns out that could have been completely related to a lot of my son's health problems, but um, particularly the autoimmune disorder. I ended up getting diagnosed with lupus. I was still bedridden. I ended up coordinating a move out of that house for our safety into a new temporary house. Uh, we ended up having the house remediated. We sold it. Um, yeah, so we're still in the house. So during this time when we're in the house and I'm sick and we don't know what's wrong, my husband was working from home, um, and which was great because he could be with the kids, but I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was um, drowning or, you know, suffocating. And, um, he did nothing <laughs> like he didn't ask me if I was okay. He didn't ask me if I needed a drink of water. He didn't, um, I, during this time too, I was having a lot of re allergic reactions and I was down to four single ingredients that were safe for me to eat without my throat closing up. And, uh, he didn't make me food. <laughs> He didn't, um, I had to get up and make my own food if I wanted to eat. <laughs> and so, and it would have been fairly easy because it was like chicken, rice, blueberries, and mangoes, you know, like it, <laughs> it, it could have, I don't know. It seemed fairly simple to me and he, he wouldn't make me food. And he was very stressed out about having to care for the children, which he hadn't been very involved in, in the past. So he's working full time. He's in front of his computer. The kids are making noise. At that time, my five-year-old was three um, and he's autistic. So he's, he's, uh, he, he does tantrum um, very often during the day. And so it, yeah, that was really stressful for him. I, I get that, um, completely was. Um, so he was sort of ignoring the kids during the day and trying just struggling to get them you know, frozen pizza and chicken nuggets <laughs> at night. He wasn't cooking food, which I get, I get. Um, I wish someone had, uh, I try to, but again, like, you know, crisis circumstances, right? And then COVID's going on during all this, which is awesome. And then, um, you know, so everything shut down and we're all closed in this house together. And he just never, he never asked me if I was okay. He never talked to me about what was going on with me. Like he just, he was just checked out. And I think that's pretty indicative of the way maybe things already were, but it was so, I mean, I felt, I was really scared I was going to die. Um, 
And, you know, the doctors were really scared I was going to die. I had to go in for a, a cardiac stress test and I like failed the test and I had a cardiac event during it. And then I had to have a angiogram or, you know, like a, a catheterization where they stick this thing into your vein and <laughs> your arm and to, to measure stuff in your heart. Anyway, so he just did nothing. And he just, he didn't ask. He didn't try to do he just ignored me. So I was basically like shut in the bedroom by myself, bedridden, sick, um, scared I'm going to die by myself for like a year. Oh my gosh, Meg. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your, like sh sharing that part of your life. Um, that's a lot. It's so much. And I'm really sorry that that was the response from your husband because that does sound really scary and like in a pandemic and worrying about your family and worrying about yourself and just it's so much it's so so much i it <laughs> i will say this forever that like women are the strongest like people ever like in your story <laughs> just reminds me of that like just of strength in so many ways. And so just, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here and I'm so glad that, you know, you're, you're here to tell your story. Um, and I, I want to hear more because I think, um, unfortunately, I think that can, not exactly like the same circumstance, obviously, but I think that and a lot of times when like pre-divorce, you can feel very alone. And then even after divorce, like it, when you're in the process, it can be very isolating. Uh. And so I, I just, it's really sucky that that's how it is, but it sounds like that, that was your experience. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I felt so, so alone before um, getting sick and before COVID and all that. And that was, I think, really contributing to my mental state um, mm -hmm. that kind of kicked off the whole thing. And then to be, you know, and then to have COVID and just the general anxiety about that. And, and um, you know, my kids have health problems and like, I don't want them to die, you know, like, um, if my, if my older son was to get something that involved his lungs, I mean, he'd be, he'd be in danger. And mm -hmm. so, you know, there was that and then the sickness and then the having this person just completely not respond, um, mm -hmm. literally just completely not respond and be, um, treating my kids or our kids in a way that was so hard and sad for me. I mean, just sort of like ignoring them um and <laughs> putting you know putting not really very nourishing food on the table and just sort of ignoring not sort of completely ignoring them the rest of the time completely ignoring me I think that that all that present loneliness just escalated and escalated and escalated and then to be so afraid for your health that you really think that you might not survive it um hugely isolating and um you know, and all sorts of things about the relationship that were already present that now that at this point I'm reading, oh, you know, that's, that's a uh, normal narcissist behavior. Oh, well, I didn't, I didn't know that then I, you know, this gaslighting and all these uh, terminology. And it's funny, like I said, my mom's a counselor and I've been in therapy before, but, um, 
you know, there's just a lot actually that comes to light. You know, you talk about how difficult and lonely it is um, to be in a situation where you're not, uh, things aren't working out with your relationship. And I think further than that, though, isolation can give you a lot of perspective. <laughs> like if I, if I hadn't gotten sick, like I would never have known that if I was in a life-threatening situation, he would do nothing. Mm. Like he would just like deer in headlights. And like he, I mean, he just didn't even, he didn't even speak to me. He didn't, he wasn't saying, I care about you and what happens to you. And I'm just so sorry. Or just any, like he wasn't coming in to see how I was doing. Like he literally wasn't opening the bedroom door and I was coming out to make food for myself um, because he wasn't offering me any food. I mean, it just wasn't like he was giving, he was making the chicken nuggets for the kids every night. And like, I couldn't eat that because that would have caused a severe reaction for me at the time. Right. And so, um, yeah, talk about isolating, <laughs> talk about loneliness. So, but I, I never would have known that he would have handled it that way. Otherwise he's the kind of guy that would say, oh, I would never do that. Mm. I would never do that. That would be so callous. That would be so insensitive. Um, and those are the kinds of words, you know, I get, I get words like that sometimes. And sometimes he just ignores me altogether, but you know, oh, I, I wouldn't do that. Or that's so crazy that that person did that. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> you know, actions speak louder than words. And I know that's a cliche, but wow, that yeah. was a huge wake up call for me. Yeah. So was it in that time that you decided um, that it like, this probably isn't going to go any farther or like with your marriage and like doing divorce? It was, it was during that time that, um, after that went on for a few months, we had already been, things were really kind of reaching an end point, um, at least for me. And he knew that I was very, very unhappy and very upset. And he let me know that he was very unhappy as well. And so we were talking about, you know, where, where that was going to go. And we had been in counseling before and that's, um, you know, come to find out now that I'm in a ADHD, you know, partner of ADHD support group, kind of come to find out that like, unless the person is informed about, unless a therapist is informed about ADHD, it doesn't usually go anywhere because there's, there's this approach to couples as if both of them are, are 50% accountable for the situation that's been created only in, in a situation where there's ADHD or probably any kind of mental illness, it's not 50, 50 mm-hmm. and it's not, and the person, um, the ADHD person commonly has a real disconnect from reality. I'll just, I'll just say that word reality. Um, but that, you know, their perception of things is a little bit, is a little bit different. And so, um, and that was really in effect. And I always felt we would go to these sessions and I was like, she would, I would feel very blamed because she would be like, here, you know, here's your part of it. And here's your part of it. And I'd be like, but I didn't, I mean, the thing I did was just like, take care of the things that weren't getting taken care of. So, so I was like overly, um, you know, I was parental and I was like overly controlling because I was trying to take care of all these things that he didn't do. So anyway, all that to say that, like, it had come to a a really negative point, like a really tough point already before all that crap happened. Mm -hmm. And then all that crap happened and I got sick and he did nothing and didn't respond to it in any way and didn't support me in any way. 
um, even just with words, even just with, you know, fluffing my pillow or doing some laundry or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, one night, you know, I came out after the kids were asleep and of course I hadn't seen, seen him all day. And I said, you know, even if I, even if I don't die and I get better, um, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be married to you (laughs) because this is how, this is what happens in a crisis with you. Um, a really severe, scary, like if anything severe and scary happens in my life ever again, if I make it through this, Mm. this is not how I want to experience it with a partner. Wow. Well, yeah, like you said, I think you did have a chance to really see, you know, if so, if something, hopefully we don't, we're, fingers crossed, we're never in a pandemic again. And like, you know, <laughs> right. I don't know. You're not experiencing like health crisis, crises like that. Um, right. That, yeah, it sounds like maybe he wasn't able to be the partner that you needed him to be, or even just available for you. Um, you mentioned like mental health, even before like the pandemic. And so like, what do you think was really helpful for you in taking care of your mental health? Because it sounds like Mm. it was a lot to handle. Like, you know, like we're, we're technically still in a pandemic, like it's, it's not like (laughs) over. And so like that sort of stress of like the pandemic and like still having to take care of your family and like, um, taking care of yourself is it's so much. So do you, did you find that anything was particularly helpful or like, how did you make it through that time? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm not, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, I don't even know. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that being a person who was already really focused on, on self-development my whole life, um, And maybe just from my, I mean, I think my mom was too, and that's why she became a counselor. So sort of being the type of person that always did from a very young age, sort of maybe analyze is the wrong word, but, but, um, have my life decisions be very conscious, have my day-to-day, uh, actions be very conscious for me. And so I kind of, I just jumped into all that. And, and the really interesting thing too, is that when I started the research on, on mold based on Googling my symptoms, I found out that mold really affects what well, really messes with your immune system for one thing, which makes sense that I would end up with autoimmune and my son as well. Uh, but also it really messes with your, um, with your brain and, and the way that your brain uh, builds synapses and communicates with it itself. And so during that time, I mean, I just feel like a lot of the anxiety and depression that I was suffering, I mean, a lot of it was probably situational because it was a horrible situation, but also like, um, you know, it really could have been like chemical. And so that was really interesting. So I, uh, getting out of the house was actually huge. Um, So we arrived at, you know, the the clean house, <laughs> the temporary, the, the so-called temporary house that we've now been in for almost a year. Um, and with, with the clothes on our backs and our phones and our computers, because we couldn't afford to replace them. Um, and li- uh, literally we left 
we left the food in the cabinets. We left the food in the fridge. We, uh, we didn't take, we couldn't take clothes. We couldn't take blankets and sheets. We couldn't, you know, it was, it was insane. So, um, that was a big psychological, I mean, to just kind of think about the question, that was a huge psychological blow. It was like, it was like having a house fire and coming home. It was deliberate, but it was a little bit like, you know, your house burning down and you, you having no possessions. Um, and just the, the, the really heaviness of that. Um, but I think what really helped, like you were asking about was looking for help. Um, looking online and I, I got to do, uh, counseling through zoom and I, you know, I signed up for that as soon as I could, when I was, you know, still just puzzling over being sick. Mm -hmm. Um, I hopped on and found a place that was doing zoom appointments, which was facilitated by my mom who does counseling over zoom now, um, exclusively because she doesn't want to make anybody sick. She doesn't want to get sick from anybody's and office space costs money. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just a practical thing. And so I started doing that and that was helpful. I got with, I eventually got with doctors that I really felt like were, um, sensitive to my situation. I had a lot of doctors at the beginning who told, who sent me home and told me there was nothing wrong with me, even though I felt like I couldn't breathe. So there was, you know, to just compound on top of all that lovely emotional and mental stuff, I had doctors telling me that I was crazy. I had doctors prescribing me antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication um, when I was having trouble breathing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was really odd. Um, And like my, my legs like wouldn't work and my skin got really frail. And like, I would, you know, I would cut myself just by like bumping into something. It was just really, anyway, it was, it was really obvious to me that something physical was completely different and doctors were just like, well, not all of them, but, um, at the beginning I I encountered a few that were like, there's, you're fine. You're, you're, you need to see a counselor. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, and I, I got on board with that, but eventually I found out that like, I had all these like cardiac irregularities and really bad stuff going on. So, um, the medical getting with the team, like a real thing. (laughs) right like I had to prove I mean in in the midst of well and of course my husband so my husband um doesn't say anything about any illness that I ever have um and so his whole reaction to this was pretty consistent but he has in the past told me and and when it comes up um he either ignores it completely and just doesn't I mean he just sort of like nods through whatever I have to say about how I'm feeling Mm-hmm. um this episode included or if I press and I say you're just nodding your head are you you just don't agree with me or what's going on he'll say well I just I really feel like you make mountains out of molehills and um it just doesn't seem that bad and I feel like there's kind of this hypochondriac thing going on so that's his general opinion of, of me and my perception of the actual health problems my kids have. Um, he said the same thing about my son who's autistic. He was just like, well, how do you even know? And whatever. And I'm like, well, you know, I read the books and I talk to the doctors and, you know, and they, they ask me about the behavior and I tell them what's going on. Like, it's, it's just a weird, I mean, his mom does the same thing. Um, 
it's just a weird like denial of, you know, until enough doctors tell you the same thing, there's, there's nothing wrong, I guess, or there shouldn't be or yeah. Anyway, so to go back to the question of what helped, like all kinds of self-help helped. Um, joining mold, joining, I will say, I mean, I know people don't like Facebook and it's definitely, you know, I don't know if, how, how much you should depend on it or how many hours a day you should be on it, but man, joining groups, it, I feel like it saved my life. I was in like mold toxicity groups and autoimmune groups and um, stressed out mom groups, partners of ADHD um, moms of special needs kids, uh, like everything really. And I was, I was buying all these programs, like online courses about all these things, um, and going through that and just, just accumulating information. That's kind of what I, you know, I'm a researcher of stuff. That's kind of what I do when I don't know how to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the great things about being sort of, quarantine still semi-quarantined is that we do have access to lots of groups like Facebook groups and I've I've been able to connect with a lot of people and I'm like oh this is actually a thing the thing I experience is a thing that many people experience and yeah it's so helpful just to get that support and just you know get help if you need it yeah exactly to know you're not alone in the experience that you're having even though, you know, and for us, we're still, you know, we don't go out much um, and the kids are homeschooled. So we're pretty isolated and I'm still pretty isolated through still having health problems and still with the kids health stuff and um, all this emotional stuff around divorce. And, um, and the thing that I have now is I have so many friends that I've made through um, through these groups and through different kinds of like email or Instagram or, or Facebook. And, and, uh, and it's funny cause you know, I have a 13 year old and people are always like, oh, you know, limit, limit screen time and limit what they can do. And, and I just think to myself how much all the social media has literally transformed my mental picture of, of my reality and just supported me. And, you know, I've made friends that, that I call on the phone and I text all the time and they live, they don't, you know, live in the same state. And that's just given me so much. Like, I can't say enough about how transformative that has been. That's a really interesting perspective about having, or like just having your son have access to social media because yeah, I often hear even, um, I just heard something this morning about limiting social media. So <laughs> <All right. laughs> a really um, interesting perspective. Um, how has your relationship with your kids been like since, since all of the, like the divorce stuff and moving and I'm the pandemic and moving to homeschooling. That's a lot too for them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because you know, that, that was the thing I was getting from all, like all the new doctors and, and the counselor that I got and all this, they're like, Oh my God, that's a lot. It's that's, um, that's what I hear, but it's awesome to hear that because that's so supportive and affirming for me that, Oh my God, like, I'm not just going crazy. Like this is so much, like it's so much and it keeps compounding. It keeps getting more and more complicated. Like, um, like, yeah, you know, 
being sick and then moving on top of being sick and losing our things on top of moving and being sick and then having to be isolated together um, when we weren't getting along well to begin with. Um, And having to be sick and have the kids have their health problems through this person that doesn't acknowledge that at all and doesn't contribute to the support of, of what the needs are at all and just doesn't believe it. And, um, and yeah, we're, you know, so, and so I, I did not send the kids back in person because there's just so much health stuff on the line uh, for everybody, actually. I mean, just as much, you know, are they going to bring something home for me, um, as anything, you know, as for them too, you know, so it's kind of everybody and, uh, yeah, like it's been so much, it's so much. And, the cool thing is that the very fr- the the day we walked into the new house, I could walk again, and wow. so that was like wow. And then my breathing started getting better and better, and I started being able to move around more. And you know, I'm still not at the point where I can exercise kind of normally, but um, but I'm getting there. And I started being able to eat more and more foods. And of course, at this time, I'm doing all this like everything I can think of to heal, right? Like everything the doctor recommends, you know, all the medications, all the supplements along with, um, like a lot of, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like alternative healing modalities, woo woo, or like whatever, whatever people want to term it, like, you know, like meditation or, um, biofeedback I did, um, for, for months and all those things are working with crystals or, um, taking herbs. And I mean, just, it's all helped all of it. It's like, it's all like cumulative and it's just pushed me in the right direction over and over and over. And I just feel so, you know, I can, I don't know. I want to say I'm normal, almost normal, but I still can't eat a lot of foods and, you know, I still can't, um, do a normal amount of exercise, but I'm like a different person. Like, I don't think the doctors that saw me in the summer of 2020, I don't think they would even recognize me, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I have turned a huge corner, um, with, with, you know, how to take care of my own autoimmune stuff, how to, you know, well, and I came back, I was going to say, I, the, the very first day we were here, I felt better. And within a couple of weeks, I was kind of managing my kids again. And I hadn't been doing that um, for a year. I hadn't been cooking any meals, which I, that was completely me before. And um, so I'm back. I've been back to that for months, um, which is amazing. And then when it was time to go back to school, I was like, I can, I can do this. You know, I can cook all the meals. I can do the cleaning. I can um, you know, do my, whatever, my, my self care and and self help. And then I can, I can help these guys with school and, um, get them through their material. And they have meetings during the course of the day, um, on zoom as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm able to like almost kind of function. So cool. It's incredible. And you mentioned that it was only like a couple of weeks that you had been at your new house and you had already seen like major changes. Yeah. It's amazing. So it's, 
Am I right in saying that it seems like there's maybe a little bit of a waiting period with like finalizing everything with your divorce and maybe like getting things figured out? Yeah. So, um, I mean the divorce itself. So I, it's kind of weird. Like I started it in secret. <laughs> I didn't tell him about it because I didn't know if he was ready to deal with it. He's just such a slow emotional processor and he just sort of ignores things until he's ready. And I didn't know, like I was really ready. Like, obviously after this whole experience, I was like, yeah, I'm <laughs> checked out. Like I, I, I haven't been in it for, you know, since before we moved, since before I got sick. And I knew that it wasn't, it wasn't something where it was like, you know, he said, when I said to him that night, when I was sick and I came out and I was like, even if I get better and I don't die, I don't want to be with you. And he was just like, what about counseling? And what about all this stuff? And I was like, we've been living as roommates for God, how, I mean, over at that point, two or three years. And he'd been sort of mostly ignoring me even before I got sick. (laughs) I was just like counseling again. Like what? I mean, that doesn't even, that this doesn't even scratch the surface of anything um, that I'm living. And so anyway, so I started it. I called the lawyer. I talked about my situation because I'm really, really, really worried about my kids. It's like my A number one thing that I stress about uh, is how the kids will handle this and how it will affect them and what is the best thing for them because someone that is has ADHD and is extremely self-centered and has these narcissist behaviors and just generally like has been cared for by you know more or less a, a parent type spouse for the last 15 years like I just don't even I kind of don't even want them to I mean I want to see him I want them to see him I just get afraid for what his behavior is going to be when they're his responsibility because last time that happened was when I was sick and he was screaming an inch from like this three-year-old's face on the daily basis and he has a lot of anger management issues and we're not in danger and he's never done anything intentionally physically although he gets so physically agitated when he's angry that he has hurt the kids, um, really minor bumps and bruises because he was like, you know, throwing things and flailing around himself. So at any rate, yeah, that's really my biggest thing is I wanted to talk to a lawyer about how it works with the, with the kids and how it works with the court and what, what do I need to prove for them to live with me and for me to have primary, um, time with them. I don't, I think custody actually works differently, but I wanted them to live with me for sure. And so I started that process and I talked to the lawyer and about two or three weeks into that, he actually asked me, you know, he's like, well, so what are we going to do about this whole, you know, divorce situation? And, and, and I said, well, I think we need to talk to lawyers. And he was like, oh, okay. And he kind of went away with that. And then, you know, two weeks later when he came back and, and he was like, or, or actually came back to talking about our relationship again. And, you know, he said something like, well, it's just really too bad. We've grown apart. <laughs> like, grown apart. Okay. That's one way to put it. <laughs> like that. I don't want to be your mom anymore that I don't want to take care of you. Like you're a child anymore. Cause I have other children like that. You're mean and combative 
and you fight with me about everything, even when it just doesn't even matter. And even when I agree with you, you make a fight out of it. Like, I don't even know. Anyway, um, sorry to go on. <laughs> no, that's it's a okay. passionate subject. I know. It's like, that's not the words that I would have used to describe what happened, but okay. <laughs> right. So it's, it's so interesting though. I was like, Hey, that is so, it has just a whole nother point of view on what happened because I think his experience, like he's so, I don't even know, I don't even know what kind of terminology to use. I don't want to be cruel. Um, sometimes I use not very flattering words and that's, there's no point to that. It's not kind and it's not whatever, even, even though I've been hurt and I've been through what I experienced as trauma, it's like, he has a point of view and it's just as valid as anything else. Like it's, um, you know, his perception of his behavior is that we just grew apart and what, what, what's missing from that view and what he doesn't want to hear and what he won't, what he doesn't hear when I say it is that, um, I've stopped making energy to connect to you because it's so hurtful. Um, I've, I've stopped extending myself. I've stopped caring, you know, for your emotional well-being. I've stopped engaging, mm-hmm. um, because it's so traumatic and hurtful mm-hmm. for me. And so I thought, I was like, well, you know what, that is what happened from, if you want to be like completely, you know, <laughs> unconscious about your life and, checked out from the reality of of you know dynamics between two people and just really be in this childlike oversimplification of your subjective experience yeah I guess we did grow apart like I it was like huh I kind of saw the truth in it it was like yeah I mean that must have been hard it must have been hard to have somebody you know meeting your needs for um for that negative stimulation and like all these kind of more technical things about ADHD and which is to me like torture, but for him, it's, you know, it's these cycles of things that he, the habits and things that he needs. And so, you know, I quit catering to those needs because they were harmful to me. So. Yeah. Well, and yeah. in a way it does sound like you, you did grow so much as a person because you had to like, learn to advocate for yourself and um, like just learn how to survive in that situation. And I think in survival mode, there's, there's inevitably growth that happens. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess like you did, you did grow apart. Like you did, you, yeah. you know more about what you want and, and what you need. So yeah. yeah. I mean, there's the question in my mind about why I stayed. Well, and maybe there's not a question why I stayed so unhappy for so long, but I think it, it comes back to that, unfortunately, the deep wound of having divorced parents and having that rift my whole life and sort of having a lot of people explain my problems and my behaviors in the context of that to me. And what really wasn't said interestingly that my mom's a counselor, but what really wasn't said to me through that whole period um, was this is a normal event. This happens to more than half of children, right? If, if more than half of the marriages 
in the United States end in divorce, then this is a hugely common experience. It doesn't have to mess you up for life. It doesn't have to mean that you can never have a positive relationship or an emotionally supportive relationship. It just, it means what it means. It means that you have some wounds like everybody does even people with the par- parents that are married. It's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't have to be this thing where it's like, you're doomed. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just to switch gears a little bit, what are you most looking forward to? Like after everything's finalized with your divorce? And mm. That's a great question. I am looking forward to um, mental space, mm. mental space. I feel like or, you know, even physical space. So, so, you know, to kind of come back around to, to the beginning, like I'm in my car right now because, um, I, there's no place inside the house that I can't be heard by him. And he has, you know, I've been taking all these, um, online courses and, and I'm in all these like self-help groups on Facebook and all that stuff. And everybody has these meetings and, I feel like I can't contribute to them because I, number one, I feel like I can't talk about how crappy my relationship is or how stifled I feel by it or how um, my perception of, of him as being a, you know, not very good dad or not very good husband or, or whatever it is. I feel like I can't speak freely, I guess, is, is the hugest, uh, piece of that. And so it's actually, you know, I did the made to do this class this summer and it was like amazing and transforming and like life-changing and, and all the wonderful things. Um, you know, partially cause I would like to, to start a business cause I don't think I can work a nine to five. Like literally, I think, I don't know if I can apply for disability. Um, that's on the horizon maybe, but like, I, I definitely can't go back to doing accounting in an office nine to five, which is what I was doing before. And so um, thinking about starting a business, thinking about, you know, my soul's purpose and what am I put here to do and what's my gift to the world and all these things. And I just, I can't like, I mean, I can listen to the wonderful, you know, presentations every week, but you know, and I can even, I can type and that was cool. Cause I can type mm-hmm. uh, what I was thinking, or I could put comments in the Facebook group and things like that. But when it came down to things like pod meetings on Zoom and stuff like that, I couldn't, I couldn't really say what was on my mind. Uh, I couldn't, you know, some things I could, but I had to like filter. And, and then the, like the crappiest thing was he actually has come to me several times or not even come to me, like in the course of conversation about other things, he's just like, well, you know, I can hear everything you say upstairs. Okay. <laughs> you know, I can hear you when you talk to your friends. And I'm like, I mean, and, and said with that tone, like, if you say something about me, I'm going to know and what, and I kind of don't care. Like, I'm like, well, whatever, you know, take your medicine. This is my perception of the situation, you know, it's just as valid as yours. But then, I mean, on the flip side of that, I don't think it does anything positive for two people that don't get along and have to keep living together until such time as we um, can figure out something different. So, uh, so that's, that's the biggest part of it is I just don't like him in my space. Like he's, he's, he's negative. He has really this, you know, for lack of a more scientific term, like really heavy, dark energy. That's just very, uh, 
<laughs> heavy and yucky. And, and I can't wait to have my own place and just fill it with like lightness and love and, you know, happiness and joy, because even with all these challenges and even with COVID and even with all our health problems, like my kids and I have so much fun together. They're just these little, you know, children. They're like, for the most part, like these light spirits that just go around, like seeking the next thing that they're joyful about. And, um, you know, they're amazing. And I can't, I can't wait for us to, for me and my kids to be the people that determines the feeling in our house and the, the energy that pervades our, our, you know, dinner time and our school time and our, and our whatever. Yeah. I'm so excited for you. It's going to be here <laughs> soon. Like, um, I'm, I'm not sure what the timeline is, but I mean, even like so much has changed even in like the last year or so. So I'm. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, and I think I really had to accept that I don't, I mean, I hate to, you know, you hate to say the thing that people always say, which is like everything happens for a reason. Right. But if I hadn't gotten sick, would I still, and and he hadn't like just <laughs> failed at that. Um, I mean, would I even be thinking about, or not even thinking, but would I be taking any action to get a divorce? I mean, I've told my mom, you know, my mom's a therapist and she's like, yeah, really? these things are hard. And, and do you think that it's not working out? And she would always kind of like lead it to like, is, is he the person that you really want to go through this with, or that you want to keep committing to and blah, blah. And I was always just like, my God, we have kids. Like, I can't do this. I can't do what happened to me to them. Mm. And I was so adamant. I was just like, don't even talk about, she was like, well, you know, maybe you could come stay with me for a while. And I would always be like, no, I won't have this discussion. You know, leaving is not an option. That's, that's what I would always tell her. And I, you know, I was really adamant about it. And, um, so it's taken, it took really something. It took a lot for me to be like, yeah, this is, this is terrible for me. This is a terrible situation for me and it's making me unhappy. And that's making me in, you know, into not the greatest, not the best parent I could be for my kids because I'm not happy because I'm not moving the direction that I want to. And that has an effect on them just exactly the same way as having two parents that don't live together, or probably worse than two parents that don't live together. Two parents that don't live together can be happy. And I don't think he will be happy because he's one of those people that's decided not to be happy. And, and right now what that's doing is making all of us unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't wait, like you said, I mean, I'm just, I am so looking forward to the future and, and there's some, there's some really big hurdles. Like I don't, I can't work right now. And, um, you know, so there's like this spousal support thing, uh, that has to get worked out through the lawyer and, um, he's really angry about that. <laughs> he's super angry that like, you know, his income that he's so proud of, um, when it's really, I mean, it's good, but it's not crazy. Anyway, <laughs> his <laughs> income is going to be split in half and he's not going to be able to afford the kind of place to live that he thinks he mm. deserves. And, you know, the interesting thing about that is he wouldn't have the job that he has right now if I hadn't been behind him and supporting him and pushing him. Oh my God, he did not want to be pushed into this whole like 
career, this whole area of work. He was just like, I can, I can, and I suck, and I'm bad. And I was like, no, maybe you should just try. Maybe you could just see. Maybe you could just call. And I mean, I just, I, I just nagged and nagged and supported through the whole thing and through him changing jobs a couple of times and moving up every time and and take and took care of the kids a hundred percent of the time so that he could devote himself to to things that came up and you know be appreciated and be valued for being so available and and now he's just like well you know I don't really see why you should have half and I'm like dude so but the deal is that half of his income isn't we live in a really really expensive um city and the deal is that half of his income isn't really enough to get anywhere near the kind of place that we used to have Mm -hmm. uh it really just isn't um isn't enough to to even rent you know never mind even buying um something that you know where everybody yeah where everybody's safe Mm -hmm. um so that's hard and I don't know what to do about that I I you know my mom lives here too and so I think about moving in with her but there's all this really complicated stuff like we can't keep like certain foods a lot of different foods in the house because of the food allergies Mm -hmm. and the severity of them and there are these things are pretty much staples of her diet and she's not willing to not have them in the house and then she smokes and and you know we have all these breathing problems and asthma and, and stuff like that and so that doesn't really go together and so I mean, she's, she's willing to make a lot of, you know, kind of allowances, but it's like, I don't want to um, make her live a lifestyle that's not, um, not what she wants. And I feel like a burden, I guess. And I mean, she's more than willing to do it, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel quite right. And mm-hmm. I feel like everything that I'm asking, um, the real specific stuff that I'm asking for is really hard for her. Mm-hmm. It's re- I know that it's really hard stuff for her. Um, so I'm not really sure what we're going to do living situation wise. And that's one of the reasons we're not moving forward as fast as we could be. Cause like, I don't have a plan for how to get, how to leave this house and be okay financially. Mm-hmm. And, and that sucks because, you know, money determining you staying in the in a house and living with someone that has such a negative psychological effect on you every day and your kids who you know they're just little hearts and they don't know any different I mean my older son says things like um you know I just suck and I'm just annoying and I'm just a jerk and I'm like because that's what his dad tells him hmm. his dad is like oh my god you're so annoying and like you know he's just so they're so impressionable um both of them you know people that are five and people that are 13 that's probably you know the the a big two you know big big uh chunks of impressionable time there mm-hmm. i guess i'm maybe i'm lucky that he's not three or less um anymore that's supposed to be a super vital time too yeah Well, if there's one thing that I have learned about you is that you are very, a very strong person and you're very resilient. And so I, I know it's such a long road to get to after divorce, but 
I, I know that you'll figure it out. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I'm all about. Like I, you know, I do, um, I feel like I'm a very resourceful person and I feel very engaged by, you know, tough problems, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, by things that look impossible or have a lot of limitations. Like, it's funny, I've always been that way and um, about all kinds of different situations, but even, and, you know, even doing accounting, it's like, it's like, oh, that's just whatever is all messed up. This bank account, you know, needs to be reconciled. And so I'm like, okay, one step at a time. And I, so I, yeah, I do think that that's a thing that being resourceful is, um, or, you know, if you don't have the resources, doing the research until you find them. I mean, that's a huge piece. It's a huge piece, but I will ask, like, I don't know. Um, do you have any thoughts or I, I don't know how many people you've talked to on the podcast before, but how do people leave when they're not, they don't have an income? <laughs> I don't know, honestly. Um, I haven't interviewed that many people about their divorce stories, but I know that's absolutely a huge factor in whether or not you are able to leave and you do have kids. So it like right. all of those things really make the situation really, really difficult. Um, and it sounds like it's super tricky. Like you said, like having a nine to five, like a traditional nine to five job isn't really going to work. And yeah. So, I don't think I could swing it like physically right now. I'm like still on a bunch of medication that I have to take throughout the day. And I, some, some I have to eat with and some I can't eat with. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. So the one thing that I will say is that I would just check in with maybe your local YWCA and see if they have any resources or any agencies in your city that could maybe assist or at least point you in some sort of direction. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great thought. I, I think it's really weird. We're in a weird, uh, like falling through a crack sort of because we don't have no income or we won't have mm -hmm. no income because we'll get my lawyer said about, about half of his income. But again, like, you know, that's enough to support for people living in the same house. Yeah. Uh, but the housing market where we are is just so insane mm -hmm. that I, I mean, literally to even get like a studio apartment, um, it's going to be more than, you know, the whole, what is it? Three, three time or one third of your income is, is a comfortable amount for rent. Mm -hmm. That's not going to get, that's not going to be able to rent anything. And so like I still it, need food and stuff. So. Well, right. Well, yeah. right. I mean, if we only spend a third of the income on rent, yeah, we're still going to need one. Well, I need medication, and mm -hmm. um, the kids need medication. Well, my older one needs medication, and my younger one, I, you know, I can't wait for the day that COVID is not such an issue because, you know, I would love to take him or have people come to the house for like occupational therapy and speech mm -hmm. therapy and things like that that he could really really benefit from yeah. and I'm trying to do as much as I can myself but I'm also trying to keep him in his regular grade at school through online school which has just so far failed really miserable <laughs> but you know we'll just keep plugging away like what else can we do you know yeah yeah oh my goodness 
Well, I, I want to be conscious of your time. Did you want to leave like your social media like handles or? Yeah, you- sure. I think that sounds great. I, I would love to. So um, I'm on Instagram at uh, Meg dot. Mm, it's E dot MC. Oh no, it's meg.emc. Okay, and I can, I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, you can link it. And then, and then my other, the business that I was actually um, working on through, through the Made to Do This program is called EcoKind Style. And on Instagram, it's EcoKind.Style. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't have a clear vision for that right now. I'm kind of, I'm still sorting around on it and seeing what I can do, but I feel really strongly about environmental causes and um, have been through this experience of losing everything and I'm starting to uh, accumulate things again. And I, I love fashion and I love style and, and I'm trying to buy things that are ethical and, and made in a way that is, uh, makes me feel good, I guess, about supporting these businesses. So uh so I want to share about that with people because I think it, that's kind of a journey, especially with the health stuff. Um, I know we had some conversations too about uh, just different like products and, and how to fit that into like your health limitations, but also wanting to be kind to the earth and wanting to maybe consume less or waste less or be, you know, uh, less of an impact. So, so that's kind of where I'm trying to share all that stuff. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, I'm totally interested in that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I will definitely link all of your social handles in the show notes. And I can't thank you enough for joining me today and sharing your story and just being here. Aww. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. And I will say that like, I, it's been such a special thing to, to be invited to do it because, you know, I got to, <laughs> I got to take a shower during like the day. I didn't have to like stay up late after everybody went to sleep or get up before everybody was awake. And I got to put on makeup and I got to request, I didn't tell him what we were talking about, but I got to request for him to keep track of the kids for a couple of hours. And um, so it's been like such a neat treat for me, like such a piece of self-care, honestly for me to be able to come out to the car and just have this conversation and just share with you. So I appreciate it so much. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much.